the uh, this is a bit of a stinker for the Stars as they head into the All-Star break. A 4-1 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs um, in a game where really one line played well. Everyone else, to use Ken Hitchcock's word, uh, were under the bar and also luck didn't go their way either. It was just kind of a bad combination of events all the way around for the Stars. A rare ugly performance lately. I thought that they really turned a corner. Today was a bit of a stinker, and um, I had a debate about this with Bruce on the post-game show. I, I didn't think that the Fox and Russell and Pillock line was bad. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of keeping the Matthews line quiet for the most part. I know that Austin Matthews scored that goal in the third period, but it wasn't really... It was off a turnover. Yeah. Right? Pattern kind of fanned on a clearing attempt. It was bad luck. I don't know. What did you think? I, I didn't think the Matthews line was all that dangerous uh, tonight, but I don't think the, the, that the Fox line was as uh, heavy and effective in the offensive zone on the forecheck and, and cycling and really making it tough on the opposition as much as they've been lately. I, I think the Fox line is hard to judge. It's not hard to judge. I think it's being judged based they don't on... have to yeah, score yeah, to yeah, be yeah. effective. I think they're being judged based on past performance, recent performance, where I think for them to be effective, um, typically for them to be effective and for them to have an impact, it's a game where they're just shutting the other team's top line down. They're not on the score sheet. They don't have to be on the score sheet to be effective. And I thought they did that job tonight. Yes. But this was the type of game where I think Ken Hitchcock is saying... He was hoping that they might was, come up with some yeah, scoring chances. He was hoping that, well, the, the Spezza line and the... Uh, this Dickinson line aren't creating something, so hopefully the Fox line creates something. I and, think that's more of an interesting yeah. discussion is the fact that in the third period, Hitchcock switched Dickinson and Spezza yes. from the second to the fourth line. So Dickinson's up in the line with Yanmark and Shore, and Spezza, who, is, who began the game in the middle of that line, uh, ended up on the fourth line with Elliot Ritchie. Yeah. That, to me, was more notable, do you think? That was, that was interesting to see. Uh, and... I mean, why not? Jason Spezza had a real rough night. I think he was minus three. Um, now, part of that is a little bit of unluckiness just with... Uh, like, if you look at the goals against tonight, there's the first goal where Matthias Janmark um, loses a puck at the Stars' offensive blue line. It goes the way down. Everything's in the scramble mode, and the Maple Leafs score. The second goal was the one where maybe I thought Ben Bishop maybe should have had that one. Um, he makes the save, but it trickles behind him, and then uh, Hyman's there to put the rebound in. That was the one where Smetza was caught up at the red line and, and just got torched. Yes. Um, that was not on a good the rush there. I think it was, was it, it was Nylander who got the puck and Smetza was behind him. Yeah. And he, it looked like he was standing still when Nylander just broke away and never got back into it. No, no. And, so, and so, obviously, Zach Hyman, who would score the goal, was crashed the net, and nobody got back with him, and Spencer was, I mean, it, was, it wasn't even close. No, it wasn't. It was, it was the one moment where I looked at it, and I'm blaming the goal. I'm not blaming the goalie for the goal against. It's one of those where I've looked at it. Is where no, if I mean, you made, Bishop if you made, made the first yeah, save. Yeah, yeah, and if, you just, if he holds that puck, maybe who knows what happens. Um third goal, obviously nothing Ben Bishop can do, just it's a power play, and it's a beautiful double deflection if you meant to do it, but obviously, uh... Padre throws it across the ice, it hits Yanmark's stick and goes in. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, redirection and hit them. Essentially, I always think of an own goal as one where you kick it in to yeah. your own net uh, or shoot it in in, in hockey. Um, this was more of a bad deflection, but it also a lot of times you think of an own goal as the original. If it wasn't even a shot, yeah, right. Usually a deflection goal is you're shooting it toward the net and it hits a defender and it redirects to a different part of the net. This one was going per- parallel to the goal line in the middle of the slot and then did a 90 degree turn. And then just bad luck. Yeah, and the. Uh... The Stars actually then eventually cut the lead to 3-1 on uh, the, the Sagan line had, which was very good actually throughout the night. They had they create a goal. Radulov wins the puck behind the nets. Yep. Um, Sagan finishes it off. Radulov extends a nine-game point streak. Um, and then uh, in the fourth, in the, in the third period, the goal that makes it 4-1 kind of puts everything to bed. Where Pattern uh, and Hamus, um, Pattern. Struggles with the breakout. It's a turnover, and uh, Austin Matthews scores to make it four-one. Really putting it out of reach. Great pass by Nylander yes. to set up Matthews, and a great finish. Boy, Nylander was actually really good tonight. I thought he was very good. That's why he was in my three stars. Yes. And I want to ask you about my two choices later too. We'll talk about that. Okay. But keep keep on with your chronological yes. recap. So, Stars lose four-one. They head into the All-Star break. Players after the game, obviously not happy. Um, TCM Mark called it a terrible game. Jamie Ben called it inexcusable, disappointing. Um, now, yes, it's a frustrating loss and it's inexcusable. And they lost to a backup goalie. They lost to a team that was playing the second game of back-to-back. But, and I don't, I'm not trying to be just digging for silver linings here. But it is a fair point just to bring up. You lose one out of six. It's not the end of the world. Right. I mean, they were they were on a five-game point streak, four zero and one, and they'd won ten of their last fourteen. Now it's ten of fifteen. That's seven hundred hockey. That's really good. But one of the reasons why the Stars have been really successful over the last month and a half is that they've been playing very consistently, or for the most part, uh, the same style. You know, maybe had a bad start here or there, like against Detroit or or even the Columbus game. But for the most part, they've had a certain level they've reached and then obviously found ways to surpass some of those, well, the Florida game or the Buffalo game. But this was not up to par. They were uncharacteristically sloppy with the puck. And 23 giveaways. And they, they created a lot of their own problems. And Hitch said it. I, I noticed it midway through the game. Hitch confirmed what I saw, which is always nice when you see the same thing as a eventual Hall of Fame head coach. I don't think there's any doubt in that, do you? No, no uh, that's true. He's the second most, the second winningest coach actively in, in the NHL and third all-time. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to catch Scotty Bowman because that's insane, but obviously he's in rare company. He noticed as well, or I noticed as well, that it was a lot of odd man rushes allowed. The Stars haven't done that in a long time. In fact, that was one of the, the comments we mentioned was compared to last year where the two-on-one was a common occurrence against the Dallas Stars. This year, we rarely see that, yes. except tonight where they were getting torched for odd man rushes left and right. It's, it's funny. We think about last year. We talked about we go from last season where we, we would, you and I, and it was a common conversation for us at practices and in the press box about how poorly the Stars played two-on-ones. 
But we were talking about it so often since there was such a big sample size of two-on-ones against. It happened a lot. Yeah. By the way, um, I wasn't thrilled with the way... Uh, like, I think Dan Hamish has been great for the Stars this year. Mm-hmm. I didn't think... that It was the fourth goal. I didn't like how he handled the two-on-one. He Obviously, uh, Nylander's pass got through to Matthews. And I felt like he was in between, and it happened quickly, so yeah. Yeah, I don't trying to overly criticize, but... Again, it's, do you go after the puck carrier? Do you take the pass? He kind of got stuck between and didn't do either. And really, you like, hey, I know Nealanders are charging in on your goalie. Give your goalie a chance to make that save by making sure he knows that that pass isn't going to get across. Yeah, you got to take away the pass there. Um, but you know what? Look, that was not the reason why the Stars lost. No, that's, no, that's, not, that's not the reason the Stars lost. And... Uh, also, also quick, I guess, I believe it was uh, broken on your post-game show. There was a bit of, yes. a, bit of a, a minor there, news note. Was there a tizzy because of that? Do you think the uh, the young rookie shouldn't have said that? Or he didn't have the authority? Or he just, I mean, just blurted it out, so... Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Well, I, of course, yeah. as a member of the media, yeah. you're but, fine with, but with for those, information. For just, those who didn't see it, I'm assuming that you probably did. But if you didn't, Dylan Hetherington... Post game show guest. Yeah, said on the post game show that he's gonna head down to uh, Cedar Park, play with the AHL team, then be back for the Tuesday game against the Kings. The Texas Stars play Stockton on uh, Friday, Saturday. Yes, so it's which in. is tomorrow. It would be, be a three and three for Dylan if he plays all three of those games. I can't see why he wouldn't. I don't. Yeah, I believe right? he will. I mean, they'll give it him because he only played three and a half minutes or uh, roughly on Tuesday night. Yes, he played yeah. about thirteen minutes tonight. Yes, and he's played three and threes in the AHL before. Mm-hmm. So, I can't imagine why he wouldn't play. It's a, it's not a long trip down to Cedar Park. That's why your AHL team's there. And he's going to play much heavier minutes than he did the last two nights. And we talked to him a little bit about it on the post-game shows. Okay, so you're going down to Cedar Park. What are you going to try to do? Well, I'm going to try to keep yeah. working on my game. And I think that you expect him to, to do more of the same, just a lot heavier role down there. Yeah. And then back, right back up. The question will be, Sean... He's supposed to come back and practice Monday, right? But if he's played games in three straight days, i got to think they're going to give him a day off. Well, he'll have Sunday off. Oh, that's right, Sunday. I didn't think about yeah, that. Yeah, he'll okay. have Sunday off. So that'll be all right. Yeah, then yeah. he'll practice Monday. It'll be a 2 o'clock practice Monday. So. Would you assume that then he plays I would Tuesday assume, against I, the Kings? I would assume he plays Tuesday against the Kings. I would assume that. There you go. Um, you want to go to our uh, Q&A Twitter session? Yeah, sure. Let's hop into that. So this year... More than most, so we did last year too. But we're uh, doing a lot on our Stars post game show of taking questions and comments via Twitter. Yeah. And Sean, if you didn't notice, tweeted out, "Hey, send us your questions. We might not have enough to talk about. We always have we enough always, to talk about. We always about. have enough to but talk about." But he thought about letting the listeners kind of dictate direct the conversation where we're going. So slash, I wanted people to be to actually tune into a pot, to a car cast after a four one. Let's loss. go to Chris, who wanted to know. Who's the better driver? Chris, it's not even a debate. Oh. Um, all due respect for the people of the fine state of New Jersey, but as a native of Maine, we grew up near Boston. Boston has wonderfully bad drivers, as does New York City, and all of us agree that New Jersey breeds the worst drivers in the country. I'm sure there's all sorts of states that would argue that. So, Sean has a... Uh, nurturing disadvantage just simply by where he grew up for the majority of his formative years before 
living in Michigan in high school. So that answers your question. <laughs> well, I'm the one driving right now, and you're going to get home tonight. So, well, we are not. We're not there yet. So that's true. I, I, I have high hopes. You have high hopes. Yep. So, okay. So I want. I want. I want. I want to kind of expand on this story a little bit because it's something that. So, people from. <laughs> So people from New Jersey, I don't consider bad drivers. I just consider that the baseline for driving. Um, and um, that's where I grew up watching people drive. And that's that was. That's why I said you have a you had a was, disadvantage from the environment of which you were uh, brought into this world as a driver. That was my that was the experience I saw on, on the road. The, I can't uh, imagine young uh, high school Sean going to Michigan with New Jersey drivers. And style and etiquette in his, in, as assuming as that's normal. So I'm sure they loved you in Michigan. And in Michigan, I actually got my license a little bit later than the typical age in Michigan. It's, it's interesting because in New Jersey, the driving age is 17. In Michigan, the driving age is 16. And Same we, as Maine. And when we or was it when I was 16? It's 16 or 17. In, in Maine, which one? Which it's 17 now. Yeah. Okay. When I was 16, yeah. back in 1996. It was uh, it was 16. You could get your learner's permit and drive with a guard parent or guardian at 15 after yeah. you're completing driver's ed. So, obviously, in the more rural state of Maine, it was a benefit to have your driver's license earlier on. I believe that in the years subsequently, they've moved it to 17, uh, which may not be a terrible thing. So I had... But I was driving at 15 with my parents, and 16 moved, with my, I, my I, I moved when I was 15 um, from New Jersey to Michigan, and I was used to... My family grew up with the expectation of, oh, I'll, learn, I'll get my license at 17, and we never really looked into the fact of what the driving age is. Or the fact that, hey, you probably could have gotten at 16. Yeah. Right. And so I got it like at 16 and a half, but so in New Jersey, the driver's ed course is, is um, instead of... The high school I went to in New Jersey for one year... The driver's ed course is built around when your birthday is, and it's, it's actually part of school. In Michigan, it is not. It is part of, it was a separate, it was a separate, uh, separate course you had to, like, register and pay for yourself. Right. We actually did that in Maine. And, and when I was 15, I actually had to go at night uh, to uh, Ellsworth, which is 20 minutes away from where I grew up. It was a bigger city, and... and you had to do that plus a bunch of driving yeah. hours before you could pass the course. So I, I really got it wasn't my, part of high school. So yeah. again, maybe that's the problem with New Jersey driving from the beginning is is it's built into the curriculum and not extra work on top of well let's just throw them in a car in a parking lot and say they've got drivers ed. Well, and so then I didn't. Oh, really... oh, groups just tweeted at us. We'll get to that in a second. He has another question. Yeah, well, it's so essentially. I moved to Michigan, and people in Michigan are not bad drivers. There's actually somewhat decent drivers. But my wife is from Ohio, and when I met my wife, and I and I went to school in Ohio, Bowling Green, there was a lot of people who said Michigan drivers are some of the worst drivers ever. <laughs> and I think it may be a regional thing. It's right? definitely a regional every, thing. Every region and in the country was, probably says the nearby region that's the worst. Yeah. And that was, I think that was more of a state rivalry thing. And I don't really know where we're going with this, but um, the fact of the matter is we're going to get home safely. Um, the uh, <laughs> We may get home a little bit quicker because I'm driving. I disagree with that. 
I think it's a matter of uh, things going on in your mind behind the wheel. Uh, you are ho uh, holding the CarCast <laughs> recording device. I don't know why I don't offer to do it. It should probably should be or, or fixed somewhere in the car. Uh, we really should have a driver. We've had offers. Yeah. Um, I feel like we would be taking advantage of somebody <laughs> since we're not offering a salary for that. Um, and, uh, well, yeah. I, I, I just think you're a little, you're a rougher driver, right? There's a finesse to it. I drive just as fast as you do. Um, but, again, it's it, there's a smoothness factor that I think is just not taught in the Jersey uh, driving education system. I also was also, the other thing I was taught to do, and I still do it, and this is probably not, I also, and this is going to sound weird, but I tend to write while I'm driving. I know this, <laughs> not, okay. It does sound weird to me. Okay. Not, you mean not literally? Not actually on pen and paper. Um, Thankfully, because if you did that, I wouldn't carpool yes, with you. Yes, not on pen and paper, and we have a car cast to talk about right now, but like, for example, when I leave the rink in Frisco... We've transcribed, and this is this is going to give you a weird insight in how my brain works. So we've listened to Hitchcock. Buckle up, folks. We've listened we've listened to players talking and everything like that. Yes. And so when I'm driving back from the Rick and Frisco to my house, I've written about eighty percent of the story in my head. Your on practice the ride story, back. your yeah. update. Yeah. Right. If I'm writing a practice story or even a feature, I've written. Which about is interesting it. because I typically listen to it and then sort of file it away. And on the drive home, I, instead of thinking about what I just heard, I'm usually thinking about what's the next thing in my day or yeah. listening to the, the midday. I'm usually catching yeah. bad radio and on the ticket or something and kind of moving on. And then I'll go back and listen to the and go, oh, I missed this or I missed that. It's because I'm not processing it as, yeah. as immediately as you will. Yeah, so I'm, I'm li I, I listen to the interviews, we, and then basically... Boy, all from who's the better driver. Yeah. And, and on the ride home, I'm essentially writing... Chris, you hit a nerve. Yeah. And on the drive home, I'm basically writing the story in my head. So, like, the practice story from the other day, um, I, I write about 80% of the way in my head. And so, basically, as soon as I get home, I sit down, I just... What's been in my head, I just type it out, and then I modify it from there. So... Um, All right, moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, Groups are our illustrious musical director uh, at the Stars Home Broadcast or Home Games at the American Airlines Center, part of the uh, award-winning in-arena game presentation team. They do Gro a good job. Groups uh, tweets us, "What is your favorite mythical creature?" Mythical creature. I I'm torn here because I've been watching Stranger Things. Okay. So. I, it's not my favorite, but I love the name Demogorgon. It is a good name. It's a great name. It's a good uh, show, too. It's a good show. Uh, it's not my favorite mythical creature. In fact, it's rather uh, horrifying. Um, I'm not a huge South Park watcher, but I have watched a few a long time ago, and Man Bear Pig is one of the funniest. Okay. I don't know if that's mythical or just uh, South Park funny. Um, uh, there's the funny... Cooking creatures like the turducken and tabriskafil. The tabriskafil, which is a great one, but again, not mythical. Yeah. Um, Minotaur. I'll go with Minotaur. Minotaur. Yeah. You? Ooh. Half man, half bull. Is a dragon a mythical creature? I mean, they. Are they? Is it? Yes. I mean, there are some sort of reptile lizard things that are somewhat dragon esque, but not Game of Thrones dragon. Those are clearly mythical. Those are great ones, too. I, yeah. I do like... I like the dragon as a, a mythical creature. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with dragon. You're going to go dragon? I'm going to go dragon. All right. Either that or just because I want to push this for the name of this future Seattle NHL team, Kraken. The Kraken. 
I like saying Kraken. It's not Kraken. It's okay, okay. You already mispronounced everything else. It's not Kraken. It's Release the Kraken. It's like Release the Cracknell. Adam Cracknell was... That pronunciation, which is his last name, was perfect for that because it sounds the same. Do you see what I'm working with here, folks? <laughs> Writers. They, they get to write stuff down, so pronunciation is a secondary thought, which maybe you should think about as you're driving us home. Besides safety, is let's work on pronunciation. <laughs> well, okay, at least I, I was thinking of pronunci pronunciation, and I know this is going to hit a nerve for you. Oh, was, here we go. I was thinking about something the other day. Dan Hamhuis, right? Yes. What, how would you pronounce the plural? So, I was thinking of something the other day where Dan Hamhuis and his his daughters were at the oh, rink. Oh, like the Hamhuises. Yes. Right, the so, pluralization of his surname. Yes. But uh, Ken Hitchcock pronounced it as Hamhuis. Hamhuis. Yes. Well, if you say moose, moose is because... So this, yeah, this right. is this is, this is the ham Hamhuises? And so... Ham but, but, but then it wouldn't be Hamhuises because the plural of moose is it's just moose. moose. That's right. And so... It's it, not meese, so it's not moose. I was walking through the hall... This was either last week or the week before. We're in the... This right. is a ridiculous <laughs> line of thought because it's it's like saying what's the plural of Nikushkin because it's Nikushkin, so but it doesn't matter. But basically, Ken Hitchcock said... Hello, ham mooses to the to the ham moose family. I'm using I'm I know how to pronounce. Continuing it. a long tradition of hockey coaches mispronouncing yes. their players' names. But, and so he said, "Hello, ham mooses. Hello, ham mooses." And if he was speaking of them as pluralized, I was thinking he should have just said ham moose because moose, plural of moose, would just be. <laughs> In this case, uh, two wrongs really don't make a right. No, and we're we're going off another weird line of thought here. But I said dragon for mythical creature. Let's go to another question. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, not a, we'll, we'll save the serious one for the end. Tyler writes in, how does the NHL make up for the great crime that is not sending, as he he typed this, Alexander Fungilov to the All-Star game? Yes, Radulov is a lot of fun. Uh, as evidenced by the video that the, the team sent out today, produced uh, his interaction from yesterday after practice with a couple members of the Harlem Globetrotters that'll be at the AAC on Saturday for a couple shows and then in Frisco on Sunday. Was that a liner in your post-game show? No, it wasn't, in fact. Sure. It was part of the video. <laughs> you apparently didn't pay attention <laughs> I, to I the I did pay attention, but it sounded Come like on. it was... I'm, I do this all the time. Yeah. This is for a living, folks. So anyway, um, shameless plug for something that doesn't benefit me whatsoever. It benefits neither So of us. it's not really a shameless plug, then, is it? It's no, just it's a plug. Not. It's just a plug. Um, we all know that Radulov has been by far the most uh, fun acquisition in quite some time by the Tsars, right? I mean, how can you not enjoy the love of life that he seems to bring to every aspect, not just playing hockey, but obviously he loves hockey. Um, and you and I were talking about this off of our recording. Can't call it off air because there's no air. No, there's no air. It's internet. But he should be the star's forward representative. I mean, not saying that Sagan doesn't deserve it. He's great, but, I mean, is, if a personality, style, exposition, or uh, this exhibition of the NHL stars and talent, should he not be involved? Of course he should. He should be involved. Basically, How did the NHL make up for it is what Tyler's asking. Um, Tyler, not Tyler Sagan. And this would be funny if Tyler Sagan was the one that was tweeting these questions. Yeah, in a secondary account. I don't think so. I would say that you can't really make up for that. No. But stick taps to the NHL because 
And New Jersey Devils All-Star Taylor Hall is hurt, will not be able to go to the All-Star game. And so they determined that Brian Boyle, who was diagnosed with cancer mm-hmm. and has come back from it, it was in training camp, yeah. missed some of the season, he's back and playing, and didn't miss a lot though, did he? Not too much time. Yeah, was, no. He was almost back, yeah. he was diagnosed pre-training camp, I think. I'm pr- I'm anyway, sure. he's going to be the All-Star representative, and it's a, that's a feel-good story, it's a really yeah. good idea. Everyone in the NHL is happy for that except Klingberg. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I, they buried the hatchet. Boyle went and apologized to John, so the yeah. hatchet is buried. But if there's a fight between the Central Division and the uh, and the Metro Division, which still feels weird to say that, thinking so. But you know, I I don't always agree with Bruce, but a couple years ago, um, when Boyle was on the open market and he went to Tampa after being with the Rangers. And he signed, I think it was a two-year, $4 million contract, $2 million a year. Bruce said, God, I would love to have him and that money on the Dallas Stars. And he chose Tampa. Tampa was a very good team. They, you know, were pushing for a Stanley Cup. I, and his buddy Ryan Callahan was down there as well. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind have having him then. I don't know if now, if, is Boyle kind of in the same boat as Martin Hansel as far as age and... and I don't know. I, I wouldn't yeah. mind. I, I guess the thing is, I think he's the kind of glue guy in personality that wouldn't be bad on a team. I yeah. like I like his... his I'm not, I'm not his going game. out to add him, but yes, I think right. he deserves credit for yeah. that. Okay. All right. The last one, uh, Alex, a little bit more serious, wants to know. Uh, it says, not stars related, but happened to catch the end of the Edmonton-Calgary game tonight. Did you see the... He put in quotation marks. Air quotes, by the way, does not work on the radio or a podcast. No. Goalie interference call in overtime. No, we didn't. We were doing our yep. game. He said he didn't. He disagreed with it. Said it was total BS, um, which we can say on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Seems like... We can say it on the radio, too, but um, seems like goalie interference is something... This is what Alex said, is that needs to be discussed by the officials and owners to get some consistency. Okay, we can talk about that briefly because... This is a very subjective call. Yes. It's hard. So I think the real argument here is not so much is there uh, that, that it is inconsistent because it, it has been. The two two things, Sean, and I'll let, let you comment on. One is is that the the re- video review of goalie interference was the initial idea of it, similar with offsides, was to eliminate the blatantly obvious ones that change the game. Stars had one against Detroit a couple years ago. It was absolutely blatant. Referees missed it, and they couldn't review it, and it changed the game. And there's been some offsides that were blatant, clear offsides, and offside, excuse me, not yeah. plural. Yes. Not like Moosen. Um, and, and shouldn't. <laughs> you may, I don't know if you're a Brian Regan fan of his stand-up, but he actually did a pluralization of Moose as Moosen because he bought two boxes of donuts. <laughs> But anyway, a let's bunch move. of ham moosen. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, there are some the, the blatant crash into the net goalie interference ones is exactly why it's there. The more borderline judgment call ones are tricky, and it's a subjective decision, and so it's it's going to be really hard to be consistent. So the debate now is: should they change it to putting the 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 situation room in Toronto, the war room, if you want to call it, the video review? looks at it, but they really are there to assist the referees at the game to make the decision, who are basically checking their own work. Mm -hmm. And there is some discussion. I think I'm on the side of, I don't like that because I feel like 
it's hard for a referee who's schooled to be authoritative and make a firm call to then turn it around and say, no, I got it wrong. Now, I, if it's blatant, fine, but if it's borderline, you're going, well, am I admitting mistakes? I'm not saying that the referees can't do that. I wouldn't mind seeing the video review room in Toronto take the lead on that so it's out of the referee's hands on site. I would like to see that. I think that's what it should be. I think it should be that. I don't think the referee even needs to look at a video. I think it needs to go to Toronto. I think they should try to make the call on the ice. Yeah, they should try to make the call on the ice, and then basically they, then just, they, just, they just get a call down on a headset, and they don't even look at it, and so it's just then it gets overturned or gets confirmed, one or the other. Um, and I'll kind of wrap us up with this. We actually talked to Ken Hitchcock about this today, and we go back to the Stars at an overturned goal in Columbus last week um, where uh, they drove the net hard. Um, Antoine Roussel scored on a rebound after the first chance by Alexander Radulov, and it was ruled no goal. And Hitch's point was it was a, that was a type of play, and they're starting to overturn goals that this is what they're teaching players to do, and this is what they've been teaching players to do forever, where they teach them to go hard to the net, they teach them to drive, they teach them to do these things. That's right. And all of a sudden, the players, he, he, as I said, as a coach, it's frustrating because they have, they've reached a point where if those goals are being disallowed, coaches are being asked, why are we even practicing this? Why are we teaching yeah. players to drive the net? Yeah, and right. so it's something where... I actually thought the one that he was really bent out of shape on on that road trip was... Okay, an okay. I wasn't really upset with the overturn. He was really upset with it. I just didn't feel like it was. I actually would have called it a goal, but I actually see both points. It's not. I, I, I was. I didn't feel like it was one where I was going to uh, shove a microphone up a different orifice of Mike Heike for it. Well, that was. Uh... But it was a great quote. Yes. Yeah. So I basically goal interference. Here's the other thing. Same with the over, the offside challenge is that it is razor thin it's a little bit more the offside it should be cut and dry the question is is lifting the skate the, that i don't know why people are complaining about that the rule has always been if you lift the skate off the ice it's offside mm -hmm. you have to straddle you can straddle the blue line but if you lift your back foot you are in the zone and that's offside now again video makes it tough sometimes to see it even if it's you know offside is a black and white rule you're either onside or offside based on line. Problem is that the angles are sometimes obscured and if you don't get a good view of it, even with cameras down the blue line, um, it's hard to tell. And they're saying, well, maybe you should make it a plane. Now, the argument last year that kind of deterred that was more players would be encouraged to hover over the blue line, but if their skates are in the air, it could lead to more cuts and injuries because skate blades are flashing around and they want to keep people's player skates on the ice. I'm okay with that as it is. I know that they don't like the challenge. I don't know. There, there's the, a lot of the coaches aren't happy with the challenge system mm -hmm. with for for offside. I don't mind the penalty for it because last year coaches were using it as a basically a prolonged timeout, yeah. and I didn't like that. So I'm glad that hey, if you're going to challenge for offside, you better be sure, otherwise there's going to be a consequence. I um, did you? I'm not sure if you over, overheard the conversation, but we were talking to Kari Lettinen about this after practice the other day. Don't know if I heard this or and, not. And Kari, in uh, the uh, what's the tennis tournament right now going on? The um, Australian the Australian Open. Open's going. I think on I was right? still talking to Hamus yeah. when you guys were talking yeah. about that. Well, a single, a singular Ham, Hamus, not Hamus <laughs> or Musin or Hamis. A singular Hamus. You were talking to. Uh, this is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing we've talked about in the carcast yet, and so, it's okay. 
we were talking to Kari Lenton and, and he, we and it was they showed a replay and the tennis replay obviously of the technology and Kari said why don't we have that oh I was involved with yeah. that okay you're talking about the challenge yeah right that's a totally different issue yeah and maybe I, we should say it for another because I have a lot to say yeah. about that so but that's just that's just food for thought and just something where it was just because this is something the players my point my point where I'm making this point is it's something where the players don't even know They're I don't just know if a, the technology is there yes. And the thing is, with tennis, with one or two players on the court, there's a line of sight that they yeah. can, the, the the system that they use, the challenge system, I think, I don't know if they, it's all Hawkeye or not, but that's one of the things they've called it. But yeah. essentially, you can get a good view of it, and it's it's the best challenge system in sports right now. It is. It's definitive, it's quick, it eliminates an incredible amount of uncertainty and arguments. There used to be a lot more complaining between players and the um, line judges and the umpires and and it really sort of degraded the, if for lack of a better word, behavior decorum of a tennis match. Yeah. There's a little bit of a behavior code and ethics code in tennis that's maybe not quite the same as in hockey, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I look, we could talk about it for hours because I think that baseball needs to have a, a better. Oh, if, if they, okay, we're going down a different. Or this is a different debate. Right, this is, this, like, is, this is, a, is an entire podcast of. Balls and strikes and NFL end zones, which is what oh. Kari was talking about. Yes. Is the ball in or is it not? Should there be microchips in the ball? Should there be a chip in the puck? The fox glow, the tail on the tracker. That's all I've got to say tonight because like, we could do an hour on that. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help wrap this show up. I'm okay. going to grab the horns of this car cast <laughs> and say it's an hour earlier than Tuesday night and although I much more enjoyed the entertainment value and the excitement of Tuesday's win over the Florida Panthers and this one against Toronto was ugh at best I am glad for the extra hour of sleep so let's get to it me too and uh, everyone thank you for listening we'll be back on uh, Tuesday when uh, the Ham Moose plays his thousandth NHL game <laughs>